Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy. I'm the host of this show. Today, I've got Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress with me here today. Brooks will be with us for just over an hour or so as he gets set to be on the board and do the halftime for Auburn women's basketball in the SEC tournament in Greenville, South Carolina. That one coming up 4.45 airtime on FM Talk 93.9 from Greenville again, Auburn and Georgia. Uh, That's why we had Britt Bowen, the voice of Auburn women's basketball, on yesterday to preview that game. Today on the show, we will be talking all things Auburn once again. Of course, as everyone is very aware, heartbreaking loss for Auburn inside of Coleman Coliseum last night. A lot to digest about that one, and we will do so throughout the three hours on the show today. We're not sure if this is the last show of the week or not. Uh, That's always an interesting place to be in, but this time of year it kind of has to do with how teams advance through their conference tournaments, in particular if Auburn women's basketball wins tonight or if they don't, and then if games get rained out tomorrow or if they don't and so we do not know if this will be the last show of the week or not so stay tuned to us uh, on social media tomorrow to let you know if we will be having a show or not but uh, we will kind of operate as a hybrid of this is this is or is not the last show of the week so we'll also start to look forward to the games this weekend what it means for auburn and the sec tournament of course the ncaa tournament as well birthdays and sports nightly tv guide as always on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. Again, Ryan, Brant, and Brooks with you here today. We will start with Brant today. Brant, how are you doing, sir? I am all right, all things considered. Uh, frustrated, I think, I think is kind of the the mood today. Um, I, I'll, I'll start off by saying that I am the type of guy who has come – I mean, I've said so on the show. You can't leave it in the hands of the officials. The officials cannot decide the game for you, blah, blah, all that good stuff. But, man – it's it's tough to win when what happens happens, you know. And and Auburn's gone through what they've gone through the last six games. I mean the the stat that is glaring that we've all heard by now. But for anybody who hasn't, Auburn has now lost six games this season by single digits on the road. In those six losses, the Tigers have been called for forty eight more fouls than their opponents and shot fifty seven fewer free throws. Those six losses have come by a combined twenty one points. So uh, this Auburn team is very flawed. It is. It, it 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 lacks depth. Your guards can't really get their shots some of the time, and that's a big time issue. You don't have a lot of guys that can drive consistently. All of those issues are very real, and yet you feel like you should have had three or four of those six losses, but the officials got involved. And I don't know. It's I Bruce Pearl blew up on his post game interview last night, and I don't blame him one bit. I'd be sick of it too. Um, 
Auburn should be should be shooting more free throws than they are, and opponents should be shooting less than they are against Auburn. And, and I call me a whiner, call me a complainer if you want to. I don't care. It's just true. Um, it, it's it's frustrating to continue to lose games like that. And Ian, it, there was a lot that Auburn could have done better, but in my opinion, last night they played well enough to win. Played their best game of the season by a lot, I think. Um, and just didn't come away with it at the very end. And, and credit to Alabama. They're a really good team. Got a legitimate shot at a championship this year. Um, but, you know, there, there's a lot going on uh, w- with that game last night that brought me discomfort and irritation. And I sound like I'm advertising for, like, a topical cream right now. But <laughs> I was about to say these are side effects. Yeah, dis- discomfort and irritation. Drug, yeah. <laughs> Try Bosley. Um if you don't think you're healthy enough to experience Auburn basketball, please don't take stress irritation. Stress, stress irritation. Well done, man. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's a lot going on, and we'll we'll get into the deeper parts of the game. We'll get into the the moment by moment. I'm sure over the next three hours. But my overall mood is frustrated and upset, and really, I feel for the kids. You know, this team, I, the Kentucky game aside. They haven't given up, you know. They've played their hearts out, and and even though most of them are undersized and maybe not as talented as the teams they're going against, they've played well enough to win in a lot of these games. And the way it's been ripped from them is heartbreaking to witness. Brooks Childress also on hey. the show. Brooks, uh, only about an hour or so with you today, but uh, let's make the most of it if you don't. Yeah, mind. I can't wait to make the most of it. Uh, yeah, disappointing, uh, disappointing loss for the Auburn Tigers last night, and you know, I'll, I'll be honest, didn't watch a second of it live. I that uh, <laughs> a boy I, about about six seven months ago. Uh, my fiance Grace purchased us tickets to go see Hairspray at the Gouge Performing Arts Center last night, so that's where I was. I did go back and watch some of the highlights, and so I am am caught up to speed. Don't worry, folks. I'm I'm not just gonna sit on here and pretend <laughs> that I didn't blind. watch it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was a frustrating loss for the Tigers. Um, I I really I there's not much more that I can say that Bruce Pearl didn't say on his post game uh, on radio last night. And if you if you found that clip anywhere. Um, I don't think usually Auburn Tigers uh, YouTube page has like the full replay of the game posted on their YouTube. I don't think they've posted it yet. I, I think they took it down last I night. I think they did, and they they had a live stream or something. Yeah, they and then did, they, and then they took it down. I think they and, took yeah. it because usually they'll have that live stream going, and it's just a camera shot of Andy and Brad or Andy and Sonny and or whoever's doing color. And then they will after the game they'll post it back up so people can go back and watch it because that I've I've done that a couple times to go uh, hear some of some calls that are going on and and hear hear the post rarely hear the post game audio um, but I, I looked and I don't think they've posted it back up uh, after that so if you've been able to find the clip uh, that that's about all that that you you know you need to hear about that game last night uh, is what Bruce Pearl uh, said after after the fact in the post game. Uh, radio feed, but disappointing loss. Uh, Tigers got another chance this weekend to get back at it, and you know, hopefully, lock themselves into an NCAA tournament spot. They're still, I think, I saw ESPN article last night. Even after that Alabama loss, they're still on the first four by um, last four by last four by uh, for the NCAA tournament, and so still in the field. But you really can't, you know, can't afford to have. You know, can't afford to lose this one this weekend, uh, it, and especially you know you, you don't really know who you're going to play in that SEC tournament. You have an idea, uh, but everything's got to shake out on Saturday. But 
yeah, if you're Auburn, you got to shake this one off. You got to go back, and uh, it's a tough one to shake off. But you got to get ready for that Tennessee team that's coming in because it, you know, it, it doesn't get much easier when, with Tennessee coming to town. We saw that a few weeks ago when they were in uh, in in Knoxville against the Volunteers. But can't wait to talk to all of our callers. Can't wait to uh, chat it up. Uh, what what is um uh what does Mark Jones say? Oh, can't wait to chop it up with you guys this afternoon. There you go. I actually have some thoughts on the Tennessee game. I will save them for later. Uh, in the show, I, I might finally make a bold prediction uh, on that game. Oh, a, 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 a fairly bold prediction. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But we do need to recap the game last night. There was a lot to digest about this game. Uh, obviously, there's going to be again a lot of talk about officiating, uh, as there should be. I mean, this is now probably four-ish times that Auburn has gone on the road, lost the game, and felt that they were dealt a a raw deal uh, by uh, officials again. The context of this game a little bit different, though, because of the element that Auburn had a real chance to put this game away. And they were very close to doing that. And we're going to go through some of the individual plays of the second half, of which are unfortunately burned into my brain for now. Hopefully they will not be in a few weeks. Um where officials did get involved, but also poor plays made by Auburn. Uh, and the anatomy of a of a blown game can take on many forms, and it can be uh, for a number of different reasons, because in this instance, when you have a 17-point lead with about nine and a half minutes to go in the game, a lot's got to go wrong in a hurry. And... Let me start by saying that I'm pretty much mad at everything that happened. I'm mad at the way Auburn finished the game. I'm mad at the way the officials called the game. Uh, I'm mad at, again, the situation in Alabama that's been um, percolating for the last couple of weeks. I'm pretty frustrated with uh, everything that has been involved here uh, down the stretch of this game and just... Uh, down the stretch of Alabama the last few weeks. But, again, to take you back into the second half, Auburn made a couple of free throws to go up 66-49 to with 10-27 to play in the game. Alabama then missed a shot. Auburn had the ball under 10 minutes, up 66-49. to Auburn did not score again from that 10-27 mark. They did not score again until 4-29. To play in the game. They went scoreless for six minutes. In that time, Alabama cut the lead from 66-49 to 66-65. It was a 16-0 run in about six minutes, which uh, Alabama is certainly prone to do. We talked about on the show yesterday, we thought it would be more of a first-half run, but how would Auburn respond to its first big road run after they never responded to the Kentucky runs? Uh, the previous Saturday. And unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, Auburn did respond eventually, but it took a long time. It was not a 8 or 9 run or a 10-2 run. It was a 16-0 run. And then Wendell Green Jr. made a kind of a frantic layup, I believe, around, obviously, I was about to say around the rim. Obviously, that's what a layup is. Uh, but made a, a, a layup to finally get off the snide. And then the teams kind of exchanged blows for the last four and a half minutes. But let's go back to the beginning of that. So there was a call or a non-call 
where Javon Quinterly pushed off on, I don't know it if was, it was Green. Donaldson. Or Donaldson. Donaldson. Who, by the way, had an excellent first half in the game last night. Pushed off on him. There's video that the refs didn't shoot. It was not that they chose not to call it. Is that they were not actually looking at yeah. that play. The, the, there are three referees, and none of them are looking at the ball at that time. And, uh, and Trey Donaldson goes flying. I mean, right. just absolutely gets forearm shivered and flies about five feet. And, and that was the second basket of the sequence. It was 66-51. Alabama had finally gotten one to go. It was a Quinterly layup, who, by the way, I know a lot of Auburn people can't stand Quinterly, and rightfully so after last night. But Quinterly had his best game of the year last night. If not for him, they would not have won. Uh, he made that three on the push-off that was not called. So that was the first call uh, this last nine or ten minutes, which was regrettable, a non-call in this case. The one that I think most people are going to talk about, the foul that ultimately fouled Janai Broom out of the game, which was absolutely in no way a foul on Janai Broom. And I'm not necessarily of the opinion there was a big foul committed by Quinterly or, or anything on the back end of that, but I just don't know how there was a call out there for Broom who picked up a fifth foul. Auburn's really, to be fair, I, I know people love Dylan Carwell, certainly love the energy, but really the only truly playable big in an in a important situation because Cardwell's such a defensive guy. He does not give you anything offensively whatsoever. Broom is who you need on a road game late in the game if you need any sort of offense. And so the only truable or excuse me, only truly playable offensive big you have gone on that atrocious call. I think we can go back a little bit earlier. His fourth foul call, I would argue, was worse than his fifth. If I don't know if you have that written down, but he's he's going for a box out and it's a clean box out. Uh -huh. And you know, the ball goes over his head, he reaches up, the Bama guy reaches over his back. The ball gets tipped out. I think it eventually falls to whichever guard was out there for Auburn at the time, and they call a foul on Broom, and okay. that was his fourth. Maybe with like twelve minutes left, yeah, or something like that. Left. And okay. it was it, to me, it was worse than the fifth foul call. And I'm with you. The fifth foul call was atrocious. You then had a sequence where, uh, when Auburn started to score a little bit, uh, they had Auburn. Auburn got to the line a couple times in the final four minutes. Katie missed two in a row. Which again, I, I'll go back to. There's a lot to this. This is gonna be a long segment. Um, <laughs> there, there's buckle up, folks. He, he missed a couple <laughs> of free throws. Chris Moore got an offensive rebound. Chris Moore was very tenacious. Chris Moore was great. Um, and then Katie got fouled again, and then he made those two. But that kind of sparked this foul fest where Auburn finally got a couple calls. So naturally, Alabama needed to be given like four more calls from that that point. Um, Brandon Miller threw himself into uh, whoever that was for Auburn uh, and got a foul call. It was very much an NBA play. They call that crap in the NBA all the time. You're just throwing yourself into defenders, and you get a foul call. Uh, so he got he got two free throws. Wendell hit uh, a three. His only two made field goals were both in that four-and-a-half-minute stretch there. He hit a, a step-back three. Uh, and then Quinterly had an and-one. I think that one was a le more legitimate foul. But he gets an and-one. Uh, and then another foul, and Clowney hits one of two. So that ties it. Wendell misses a three. There's another foul on the in, on the other end. Quinterly makes two more. Essentially, Alabama's last 
Uh, six of their last eight points were on free throws. Uh, the and one was all within one play, but the other six points were on free throws. Then Flanagan ties it on that kind of frantic sequence in the open court. That was a fast break layup. And then Auburn gets the stop. Uh, and then Wendell Green Jr. misses a – he created some space, misses a 17-footer. I have more on that part of it too. So three to five missed calls by my count. Uh, favoring Alabama in the last just eight minutes. And, of course, there's stuff in other parts of the game. There would be calls that, uh, you know, as Brant mentioned, the rebounding call, it all adds up into culminating into a fifth foul for Jani Broom, for Jalen Williams, and eventually for Flanagan that, look, the last calls are the one that we're, or at least I'm thinking more about, but bad calls earlier in the game lead to another bad call putting someone out of the game. But there was a lot wrong with that sequence because one of the things that Auburn did very poorly during that and had that had nothing to do with officials is they had a lot of turnovers, uh, particularly in the second half and particularly in that five to six minute sequence where they did not score. And so I'm frustrated with all components of it because on one end, look, the totality of this year where Auburn has gotten even whistle at home and gotten gotten slided on the road. The slided on the road happens to a lot of teams. That's not unique to Auburn, although they've had a couple extraordinary cases this year. That's not shocking. Again, if you go to Bud Walton Arena, Arkansas, you better pray that, that you better pray that Musselman has pissed someone off with the officials that night because Arkansas is about to shoot 35 free throws. It's going to happen. So there are places you know that to be true. But I think the culmination of Auburn not ever getting that benefit at home this year, it's always been even. And normally, again, what's wrong with even? There shouldn't be anything wrong with even, but you know that normally it is not even for the in, in, in favor of the home team. Usually the home team gets a, a good whistle. And so – you, this thing has culminated or continued all year, and it's culminated in just several games where officials have been the story. And then on top of it, my, fr- my frustration there st- also stems from Auburn was going down a route where that would not have mattered because they were up 17 points. And if they don't go six minutes without scoring, it's not going to matter about a couple of these ticky-tack stuck calls with three or four minutes left. A couple of times where Auburn drove, like Wendell Green Jr. drove and got hit, falling out of bounds, didn't call anything. All that wouldn't have mattered if Auburn didn't go six minutes without scoring with four or five turnovers in that six-minute stretch. And so there's a lot of frustration to go around, and I will stop rambling now, but ultimately, when you blow a 17-point lead in such a short period of time, there's a lot that goes into it, and there is certainly bad calls that went into that. I just went through them. But Auburn also had, at any moment, the opportunity to try and put the game away, and they also did not do that either. I think it's interesting you bring it up. Um, Alabama did have a first-half run. Auburn got out to an early lead, and with about five minutes to go, Alabama really picked it up. And, and Auburn weathered the storm. Auburn weathered the storm very well. They ended up... Uh, extending that lead, I think it was six or seven points at halftime that Auburn had the lead, and Alabama made it a one or two point game, and Auburn held. Uh, and then they made a second half run, and I have no you you 
Alabama's way too good to not expect a second half run. You knew that run was coming. But again, Auburn was in the process of trying to make something happen. And that's when Janai Broom fouled out. They went on a 9 to nothing run, and it should have ended there. But Janai Broom fouled out. Auburn is now down its best rim protector, one of the better rim protectors in the conference. And, and that's when Alabama tied it. And, and I think Alabama outscored Auburn 35-19 for the rest of the game, something like that, uh, after Broom fouled out. Uh, it's... Yes, there are things that Auburn could have done better, and I'm, I'm we're going to harp on that point a lot. And like you said, you can't go six minutes without scoring. But I, I don't know if it is as simple as, well, you went six minutes without scoring. Why couldn't you score in that time? Yes, you turn it over a bunch. No, your offense didn't look great. But how many times did you get whacked going up to the rim? How many free throws did Alabama shoot during that stretch? How many bad calls were there? And and, and again, I'm, I don't want to just sit here and say, man, Auburn played perfectly, and they should have won that game, but the officials have something against Bruce Pearl. I don't want to be that guy. That's not... That's not what I do. I don't think that's good radio. Um, but it's 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 annoying and it's it's disheartening at some point. And you you touched on Bruce Pearl's post game blow up, and frankly, that's been building for a long time. That has been building for a very very long time. And uh, we'll well, why didn't he do it earlier? I don't think blowing up in post game press conferences in the middle of the season is going to do you any favors. Um, but Bruce is upset and he's sick, and I'm sure the players are sick too, and I I, I can't blame them. Let's go to the Auburn Make phone line one time before we take our first commercial break of the show. First up on the show today, Tony from Tuskegee. Tony joins us. Tony, how are you doing? How y'all, how y'all doing? We're doing all right. I I got a couple of things to say. I, I hear y'all grumbling about missed calls and all that. Um. It was my first time watching the full album. I watched it from the beginning to end. I mean, Alabama had, what, two players, two or three players to get ejected. They ran player. Badeco, uh, he got ejected. I mean, I thought it was uh, basically a fair call game. Everybody crying about the Pearl and Auburn. The Pearl just got out coached. You got a seventeen point lead. To, Tony, Tony, I'll I'm gonna openly disagree with you. I'm yeah, I'm and, and it's fine. You can have that opinion. I'm just saying I think you're wrong. Yeah, he I, well well, you know, that just my you know, it might not matter, but if you got a seventeen point lead and uh, that big man out the out the game, I look like Auburn didn't make any adjustments. Look like they, 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 they tried this whole same thing. Well, Tony, Tony, again, at the same time Charles Bediaco got thrown out of the game, Janai Broom picked up his fifth foul. So yeah. Alabama loses one, their, one of their big men, granted, and he should have been thrown out of the game. He came off the bench with his fist clenched, oh, yeah, I, running, yeah, running towards the quote-unquote fight. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, Auburn loses their only offensive threat inside in Janai Broom. So that's yeah. uh, that's that's not even a one for one. Charles Bediaco is not as valuable to Alabama as Janai Broom is to Auburn. Yeah, I understand that, but but my uh, seventy, I'm not, you know I'm I'm not just upholding Alabama, you know, in, in a typical way. But I, you know, I thought Auburn should have won the game. Sure. You know, I thought Auburn, I thought Auburn should have won the game. 
a 17-point lead. And uh, I, I, you know, I just didn't see. Auburn just don't normally lose a 17-point lead. Honestly, you know, most teams that. don't. Yeah, I was. You know, that's what I was saying. It, it, it had stuff to do because the guys was on fire, and all of a sudden, like they just changed what they was doing. What's the uh, the freshman guy that was um, uh, for Auburn? Trey Donaldson. What's his name? Are you talking about the, an Auburn guard or what? Yeah, Auburn guard. Trey Donaldson's a freshman. Yeah, he played. Yeah, yeah Trey Donaldson. I mean, for some reason, they just took the ball out of his hands. Yeah, he didn't play as much in the second half. He did have a couple turnovers, though, and then I think that's when he got pulled. And the other guy, um, another guy, uh, not Flanagan, uh, what's his name, Johnson? Uh, Well, uh, there's Jalen Williams, uh, KD Johnson. Yeah, KD Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I thought those guys did a, 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 a... a well of a job, but you know, I, I don't know how y'all see. You know, I'm not just gonna put it on, put it on, on, on referee. You know, but you know, uh, uh, officiating. But everybody got some. Everybody got some uh, calls they win. Everybody got some bad calls. But I just, I never thought Bruce put them all and lost the 17 point lead. Yeah, I mean. Look, and I'm highlighting the bad calls there, Tony, too, but also if you heard the other part of it, I, I said that there's a lot that goes into blowing a 17-point lead. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and so I'm That's also nice. putting some onus on Auburn saying, you know, turning the ball over six times in a six-minute stretch. I'm saying that's part of that problem, too. I'm not saying it's all in officials. I just simply said there was a couple really poor calls that, that, that did play a role in that, but Auburn also had a role in that, too. Yeah, and I thought Alabama, I thought uh, 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 um, NATO's bad. You know, when they came, they, they came down, Alabama was up by three and had a chance to go up by five instead of um, slowing the ball down or either somebody passing the ball. And uh, they ended up, I think, may have been when Auburn or so, uh, somebody game got tied up again, but. All in all, I don't think you'll see a better play game anywhere than what, you know, last night. Certainly the quality of this rivalry uh, continues to increase as both programs have uh, gotten into really good spots here in recent years. And I think a lot of people are are talking about uh, this rivalry continuing to increase on the national stage, and, and hopefully it does. Yeah, and one other thing um, – uh, um, Miller, um, Brandon Miller. Yeah, he might be one of the best players in the country. Not just SEC. How he played defense last night. I, you I, know, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, he played. He played excellent, excellent defense. But Auburn played defense on him also. You know, so yeah. Well, anyway, um, I just thought I'd put my opinion out there, not that, you know, not that it matters anywhere, but, you know, that's just my thought. I, you know, I'm not a basketball expert. I never coach, but I watch a lot of it. And um, But I just didn't see um, Auburn making the adjustment with, the, you know, coming, you know, losing that 17-point lead. Well, uh, your, yeah. your opinion is always welcome on this show, show right, Tony. Thanks a lot. 
Yes, sir. That is Tony from Tuskegee joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate him calling in right there. We need to take our first time out of the show. We'll go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line after this timeout. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Thursday. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Brooks Childress. Talking a lot about Auburn and Alabama last night. And let's keep the phone calls rolling. 334-887-3401 locally. Toll free one 9 tiger 9 Next up on the Auburn Bank phone line. James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. I know everybody's been talking about this Auburn Alabama basketball game that was on uh went on uh last night and I've seen a lot of different um different angles from from the beginning all the way up to the end um probably I could start like in the middle with the um the big altercation between one of the Alabama players and uh one of the Auburn players I mean that's not showing good sportsmanship at all on any circumstance for any reason to actually have that happen in a in a huge rivalry between Auburn or Alabama. Yeah, uh, talking about the altercation with Javon Quinterly and a couple different Auburn players that were basically just yeah. trying to look like they were trying to calm him down, and uh, he did not uh, prefer to be calmed down. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there was definitely some jawing. And look, there's there's always going to be some trash talk part of it, but. <laughs> After the whistle stuff is a little bit more extracurricular, and and uh, that was uh, that was happening a little bit last night. Yeah, and then like during the middle part of that game, I know one of the um, Alabama announcers were like when when the uh, when the fans and and the team was actually winning. I heard um, you know one of the ESPN announcers saying, "Oh, Alabama's going to cut down the net. Alabama's going to cut down," you know. You know the 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 nets from you know from the game. Why would you do that? You know that that does not make any sense. This is not an SEC championship game or a March Madness game. This is an actual SEC matchup game. I mean, why would they want to just let let the Alabama uh, players go up, climb up the ladder, and cut down the nets? I mean, this is not an, a March Madness tournament. 
this is a regular game. It's no way in shape or form for an SEC announcer to just out of the clear blue just say, oh, Alabama fans are like the Alabama players are just going to cut down the net. I mean, what what are they going to do with them? Where where are they going to put them? They don't have like a a historic trophy case to to like you know, display it for Alabama fans like Auburn. We have so many trophy cases that, you know, that we actually display in Neville Arena. And we are a great school. We we have so many um, opportunities. I mean, you know, we have one of the best coaches in the SEC for Auburn, Bruce Pearl. He's done a lot at Tennessee, so – He's coming to Auburn to actually, you know, make Auburn look like Auburn men's basketball team to actually win, you know, another chance at the tournament and to win another chance at the Final Four. So, I mean, I've been on the campus of Alabama, and you know, I, I've seen, you know, on the on the wall of, of that game, they had on the back wall, they had uh, where it says. Uh, legends are made. Where, where does that actually stand with Alabama fans? I mean, I don't know where they're getting that from. Well, it, that that part of it's just a slogan, the where legends are made. But but James, I will say that they so they won the SEC regular season championship last night. That that's why they were cutting the nut, nets down. That's something that Auburn has done before. Uh, that's something that every school that wins the SEC, if they are able to clinch a regular season championship, they do cut down the nets. So. Uh, th- that's why they were doing that, and uh, that is not uh, atypical. Now, now, when they actually, at the end of the game, they said that the uh, Alabama basketball team has won um, their regular season championship, and I looked back on their on their roster. I don't see nowhere in their in their list of wins that they actually went to a SEC championship and who did they play for the SEC championship to actually come out and for the SEC, for the ESPN announcers to actually announce that well this is this is a regular season championship so that's that there there's not a formal game that takes place it's not the SEC tournament which is for the SEC tournament championship the regular season champion is just the team with the best overall conference record uh, from the regular season. And so that's why there's not one particular game. It's a collection of games throughout the SEC schedule. And mm-hmm. Alabama ha- finished with the best record in the SEC. That's why they are the SEC regular season champions. Yeah, so I think – and then the other thing that really got me heated was the history between Auburn and Alabama when they when they were actually talking about it during halftime they were saying that the rivalry between Auburn and Alabama was like around like 1929, somewhere like close to 1930. I looked at that history of the Auburn-Alabama rivalry, and I looked at the records, and the records show that in that bracket, there wasn't no game going on between Auburn or Alabama during the basketball season. Interesting. Uh, I, I did not know what they what all they said on the broadcast. I was kind of running back and forth and uh, doing some stuff here at the station last night, so I didn't see that part of it. But uh, 
There, there clearly still is a lot of history, although obviously Alabama and Auburn more known for the football rivalry, but they, they've certainly played a lot of times in basketball too. Yeah, so I think with this, I'm, I mean, we might see Alabama, might we might see them again in the, in the March Madness tournament. I'm not quite sure. But, um, you know, we do have one more game on our schedule. We do play Tennessee at home. So I think this is going to be a really tough, um, win at home, and I know this is going to be an emotional um, moment for the seniors. And I know these guys—they played their hard, they played you know their toughest games at home in front of you know in front of a sold-out crowd in Neville Arena. So I think these guys that are seniors, they need to step up and and show the freshmen and you know show them you know this is this is the last you know way that I'm going to go out. I'm, I'm actually going to ride out into the sunset with a big win at home. So I think this is going to be a really good opportunity for these guys to prove, you know, to prove the fans that, you know, their their names are going to be edged in, in Auburn greatness, you know, with some of the great legends of the past of Auburn University's uh, basketball program as well. Yeah, definitely always want to win on senior day. That that's not uh, or that's something that of course all all the schools whenever you have your senior day, that's a special day. We don't know uh, because of the transfer portal and because of uh, all the things with the extra COVID year, who all will be in their final home game at Auburn on Saturday, but we know that regardless, I think Auburn's going to come out and uh, they're going to want that game badly. Yes, as well because I mean, if I was there and Auburn Arena, I mean, Neville Arena, I would, you know, I would really, you know, show my support for these guys that, that I've known, you know, that I've been watching for so many years playing with Auburn, and I wish them the best of luck on their next journey in their lives as well. What else is on your mind today, James? Well, I'm actually, right now, I'm uh, looking at the um, NFL scouting combine and, um, you know, trying to see who's who I'm going to actually be picking for um, next year's uh, NFL season as well and seeing some great names that I uh, might want to put on my uh, fantasy draft board this year. Yeah, I think uh, with the combine starting this week and already been some news and notes from that, I think everyone's really excited to look forward to the NFL draft and, there's going to be several quarterbacks taken pretty high this year, which means a couple of them might be starting in the league as rookies, and, and that's always going to be interesting to watch, and maybe some of those guys will be picked up on your fantasy team. Yeah, so I'm actually going to be uh, waiting to see the quarterbacks and seeing um, if Bryce Young is actually going to be um, throwing in the scouting combines. I'm not sure, but I'm looking at right now, I'm looking at like Gary Gary's Hall and seeing what his uh, bench press time is going to be because I'm thinking it's going to be like four, I think it's like four or five Auburn players. So when they get down to like the kickers, I'm going to actually see how good uh, Anderson Carlson is actually going to, what what his kicking time is going to be as well. Yeah, so the Auburn Tigers at the scouting combine, uh, Derek Hall, Colby Wooden, Tank Bigsby, Anders Carlson, Owen Papo, and Echo Ecu Leota. Yeah, so I'm thinking I'm probably gonna think that Owen Papo might be like first round or second round 
draft pick maybe either going to the uh, Super Bowl of Kansas City Chiefs or actually going to the Arizona Cardinals or uh, to the Carolina Panthers. One of those three teams might pick him up as well. And, of course, the Carolina Panthers have Derek Brown, a draft pick from Auburn a couple of years ago. So any more Auburn Tigers on that Panthers defense would be fun. Yes, I saw because I know, um, you know, I, I pretty much, I, I would pretty sure I would like to see the Carolina Panthers actually make it to the Super Bowl this year or seeing my Dallas Cowboys actually making it to the Super Bowl or to the uh, NFC um championship game and actually meeting up with the Carolina Panthers as well yeah that is a matchup uh, that could happen we'll see uh, I think the Cowboys will still have a pretty good team next year we'll see about the Panthers as they gonna go through a rebuild but anything could happen in that NFC South next year yes as well and then uh, this coming up week I'll be watching the SEC women's tournament and uh, seeing what Don Staley is going to be doing so I think they're going to win uh, their First game, I think their first game starts tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct. It is tomorrow. Yeah, so I will be watching that game as well because I think um, with Don Staley, I mean, that that South Carolina Gamecocks program that she has built from the ground up, I mean, she's really done a lot of great things with, the, uh, with those ladies and, um, you know, giving those – young ladies a chance to play in the WNBA and and maybe I see some of the future WNBA players from that team as well. Yeah, there's always going to be some uh, some great talent at South Carolina. Of course, Aaliyah Boston won the SEC Women's Player of the Year and uh, that's uh, players like her are exactly the type of players that go on to the WNBA. Yes, because I'm actually... I'm thinking about like seeing if the Auburn women basketball team is. I think we're playing in Greenville, in Greenville, South Carolina, sometime this week. So I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed and uh, and keeping my hopes a little high for um, you know for our women's basketball head coach and uh, Coach Harris and seeing what she's gonna what she's really gonna bring to the the table as well for these ladies and I wish I wish Auburn uh, women's basketball um, I wish these ladies best of luck in Greenville South Carolina as well absolutely they play at five o'clock tonight on the SEC Network James yeah so I will be watching that one and I'm going to be rooting and I might I might be able to like scream a little loud and uh, lose lose my voice a little bit as well Okay, well, that would be awesome. Well, James, we're about out of time here. Uh, we got to go to our hour break here, but I know you wanted some uh, NFL uh, uh, Hall of Fame trivia, so we'll have to do that, push that to tomorrow, but we will have that set up for you. All right, sounds good, and War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Out of time for hour number one, a lot more to do here on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. A lot more to talk about. Stay tuned. More of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk talk show coming up after this.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome into hour number two of Sports Call here on this Thursday. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Brooks Childress. Just one last segment with Brooks here before he goes off and has Auburn women's basketball duties. Again, 4.45 airtime. Britt Bowen, Dr. Larry DeShera from Greenville, South Carolina. And what we hope is not the last Auburn women's basketball game of the year, playing seven-seeded Georgia in the SEC Women's Tournament. Let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line again, 334-887-341, locally toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9, leading off hour number two. Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm getting there. Thanks for asking, though. Um, how are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing okay. Okay. Uh, it's you, uh, and it's uh, Brooks, and who else? And Brant. And Brant. Right, I heard your, your comments, Brant. So... Uh, I heard uh, uh, Troy's uh, uh, Tony. Tony, yeah. So Tony, uh, for you, sir, I'm going to do some grumbling. All right. With that said, you know the uh, I guess the the best explanation, or I mean, to me, it was a gut wrenching, uh, to put it mildly, uh, loss last night. And the, the the best way that I could even come close to verbally expressing uh, I just. Uh, nausea that I felt last night after the game uh, was uh, Coach Pearls after uh, the, the game show comments on uh, the radio show. Um, I expect you guys probably heard it. Yeah, yes, we did. Yeah, um, when he said, you know, I'm sick and tired of it, and I'm sick and tired of it, and then he followed it with saying, what? They, we were smashed. My players were smashed. Yep. I said, wow. And, you know, I, I do know, I, I do a disservice to just saying these words because his passion and emotion behind those words, uh, I, I couldn't even you know begin to do justice to it. Uh, I mean, I've I've never heard Coach Pearl be this passionate and this angry. Uh, have you guys? Uh, you know, maybe not at officiating. Uh, we definitely always know there's a great intensity to Bruce Pearl uh, that has always been known throughout time, and and you see that in the way that he coaches. He can he can yell. Uh, we know he can yell. Uh, so, but but certainly not in a long time in a, in, a, in this sort of setting. Uh, directed officiating, of course, he ended that yelling joke and just kind of threw the headset down. So, uh, yet not not in this manner in a while. Yeah, and he even said uh, right before he said joke, uh, we should have won the game. Uh, and let's go to that, guys. We should have won that game. And yes, uh, I do hold uh, the players and the coaching staff accountable for blowing a seventeen point lead. However, some of that 17-point lead they got 
you know, erased or dwindled down uh, was also part and play. Uh, the officials played uh, played play part in that. Uh, in addition to our miscues, uh, would you agree or disagree? I I agree. I mean, there were certainly some bad calls, and you know, Alabama when they made that 16-0 run, most of that was not uh, free throws. They they hit some threes and did some other things in that moment, but obviously the free throws came a little bit later at the under four timeout and beyond, and then the foul call, The and Brant showed me that during the break, the fourth foul in Janai Broom with about 14 minutes left and the fifth foul in Janai Broom. Bo- yeah, both of those were uh, tremendously poor calls, and uh, they they contributed as well. Yeah, so I'm going to borrow uh, Coach Nadeau's comments uh, in another uh, venue uh, for what happened to Janai Broom at that last when he got uh, fouled out of the game. Uh, like apparently, Janai Brew was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. Yep. And I played that down, guys. I don't know if you did. And I slow motioned it. When he uh, was going for the rebound, because that's what was happening right before uh, the 22-minute uh, uh, review, uh, when he came back down, then who was with him? Quinterly. Quinterly hooked his arm around Janai Brew's arm. And that's how he then fell to the floor and, got, and then got the ball away from him. And then Janiah Broom goes out of bounds. After he goes out of bounds, he's fallen onto the floor out of bounds. Then what does Quinley do? Take the ball, and he throws it at him. And by that time, the crystal had already been blown. So this play was over with. So I don't understand what he was doing by throwing the basketball intentionally at Janiah Broom, guys. Well, my take on that play was while Broom was out of bounds, Quinterly was not yet out of bounds. Uh, the whistle and that and 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 him throwing it at Broom were pretty simultaneous, uh, from what I thought. And so, if you want, I, I I honestly I do not think that was a big deal, other than the fact that it seemed so malicious after the fact with Quinterly's facial expressions and and just him kind of. Well, he was trash-talking him. Uh, right. So that part of it made it look like more of a, a worthy of a technical than the, the, the pure act for what it's worth. Um, but still, the most consequential part of that play was Broom getting called for a fifth foul, even if they and, had called a tag. Was that warranted, guys? Uh, they were both going for the ball. And, in fact, it was clearly that was behind uh, Janiah Broom. Right, exactly. I, I did not think Broom committed a foul whatsoever there. Um, you know th- that you, you definitely could have called a foul in Quinterly, uh, but but it in in no way could it have been or should it have been a foul on Broom. And again, the last two fouls that he was called for uh, were were just poor calls, and that's the cumulative effect of calls throughout a game that that add up into one bad call that, that just sets you over the top because uh, that that sequence, while it did end up getting a couple Alabama players ejected, and, and rightfully so, because you cannot leave the bench, bench area. That That's not some debatable thing there. You cannot leave the bench area. That Actually, we were joking about that yesterday, Steve, with the women's basketball game right. where all those players were leaving the bench area and they all got thrown out. That, that's not... <laughs> that, that's an automatic ejection. So... That part of it was going to happen there once that scuffle happened, but the the fifth foul call, which was the original call, uh, was very costly to Auburn, and it was not the right call. 
And Coach Burrell was right. Uh, our players were, were, were getting smashed, and there were either no calls or the calls would go against us. Right. Under, underneath the, the, the baskets, you know, uh, Widow Green got called for a technical uh, in that melee uh, with a Quinley. What was that about? Uh, I, I I assume just because he he kind of got insert, you know, he inserted it a little bit in there to to try and try and break things up with Quinterly. I mean, no no one ended up shooting foul shots off of that. I don't. Well, no, you or, know, the game or, was two fouls because when that happened, we only had six fouls, and then all of a sudden, I see magically after their twenty-two minute review, well, two fouls were added to Auburn. One, I guess, for Unai Broom. I guess one right. For, one was uh, the Broom fifth. So I'm saying that. There was always going to be a one and one because of the original broom foul there, but but the green foul, the green tech or whatever, did not add any any foul shots to that. So having said all that, then we had a chance. Actually, we played darn good. We should have won the game. We had a chance to to to, to pull it out at the end, guys. I want to get your take on this. So you know, it's like different game, the same ending, and the same ending. I mean. Coach Pearl decides to put it in the hands of Wendell Green. I love Wendell. When he's good, he's good. But, you know, how many games, guys, have we yet to pull out with Wendell Green having last possession? Yeah, there's been several misses now. I, I think the only make I'm thinking of was that, uh, or, or at least as far as the last seconds are concerned over these last two years, was that um, game last year uh, where he had a, kind of a tough layup, uh, frantic layup at the end of a game. But, uh, he's had several looks at it at the end of, of a game this year, and he got a pretty good sh- quality of shot, but he's just not hit any of these, and I'm ready to get someone else involved on the last play of the game because uh, realistically, what I, and I know he's one of Auburn's leading scorers, and I'm not trying to trash the kid, but he shoots 36% from the field and 28% from three. It's not an efficient player whatsoever, and once he's gotten so many opportunities, he's proven that he's not necessarily a reliable player in the last possession of the game either. No, so he no, doesn't have that, that doesn't have that clutch part of it either. So if he's not particularly clutch and he's not efficient, then it doesn't make sense to only run things through him at the end of the game. I, I recall there was one game, and I think it was maybe the A and M game, where they tried to run action for Jalen Williams, and then he passed it back to Wendell. So maybe right. some of this is a mentality on some of these other players that they're not as willing to take the big shot and they defer, but they can't afford to be like that because Wendell's probably what like four or five misses on the last possession of a close game now this year without a make, and it's you just can't keep doing that over and over again. You know, I, I'm not a big coach, but I probably would have said give it to KD, let him go down, you know, and try, maybe they'll foul him. Yeah, well, see, here's the thing about that though. I would have been, I, I, I would have wanted a KD jump shot. That that would have been the preferred shot there because you were not getting many calls. Now KD got some calls throughout the game. He ended up shooting like twelve free throws. He shot a right. ton of free throws, but he also still, and this is always going to be a thing, and it's and it's fair. This is not a bad refereeing thing, but because KD goes so rec- recklessly into the to the basket. There's gonna be some. It's gonna be exactly. There's gonna be some times where he genuinely was just not fouled, and he just he just kind of threw something up there, and that does happen from time to time. So there's always that X factor to it. But he was four or five from three last night, 
and, and he was good from the perimeter. And so if you're going to take a jump shot, then that's what that's the jump shot that I want uh, at the end of the game. You got to this team because it doesn't have the go-to score. It needs to ride the hot hand. And Wendell was two of ten last night, and KD was five of thirteen because he missed some some layups, but he was four or five from three. You've got to put in and whoever's the the hottest at that moment. There's not one guy on Auburn that deserves to just have all the all the crunch time shots. Well, Wendell took that last desperation shot, guys, was around the the, the free throw area. Um, I I thought that maybe uh, he'd been fouled because he fell down uh, onto his back, and Jimmy Dykes even thought it was a maybe a questionable no call. Did you think uh, that his falling down was a, a foul or not? I, I didn't think there was a foul. I thought it was a pretty open look. I, I have no problem with the shot he took. I'm with you that maybe it should have been in someone else's hands, but I, I thought the I thought yeah. the look he got was a good look. The shot quality is not what I'm contesting. He, he, he created space. Um, and and, so, and I, I don't think there was a foul there, and, to answer the original exactly. question. Exactly. And so, you know, again, I'm not... I'm not saying Wendell made a dumb play. That's that's not the, the statement here. The statement here is that maybe Bruce Pearl should be trying to run something through somebody else or somebody, somebody that could take the shot is not stepping up and really desiring to take the shot. And, I think, and that I, that, Personally, I think that's guys, more of the issue. And that's where we hurt with Jedi Broom had been fouled out because probably I would have given it to him. Yeah, I mean, he he was pretty good down low, obviously, when he was in there. Really, of the four guys that play a lot for Auburn, and, and KD's trying to work himself back in and add a fifth here, but of that Wendell Green, Alan Flanagan, Jalen Williams, and Janai Broom uh, foursome there, three, I mean, Broom, Williams, and Flanagan were all over 50% from the floor and all scored double figures. And I, I I don't think was was Williams fouled out at that time too or was he that was overtime? No. Okay, yeah, so yeah, so out. so will, you had Williams and Flanagan out there at that moment who had had quality games, and and one of those two should have been in my opinion just before you know the shot shot quality before you actually execute the play one of those two guys should have been the op, the the primary option in that moment. All right, just a quick conversation here, guys. Uh, you know, three of our guys, our starters, okay, fouled out. Right. There were no, no Alabama starters who were at risk of, of fouling out. Uh, Mr. Brandon Miller only had two. Quinterly only had two. Uh, how is that explainable? That our guys were were almost, they, in fact, they, ended, they, they risked fouling out. They had three fouls. And they ended up fouling out, but none of their starters were in danger of fouling out. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, you know, Bradley started and finished with four, and then Bediaco had three in thirteen minutes, and of course was thrown out with the ejection. But uh, yeah, no, I mean that's another tough pill to swallow there, where where Auburn had key guys that uh, got not only did not get the benefit of a fifty fifty call, had some just plain bad calls thrown their way to. to add to their foul total uh and and obviously alabama's guys did not ever get to that point miller finished with three fouls in 39 minutes so hey quinterly was routinely uh trash talking and saying crap because uh, i know you saw it i saw it uh to the Auburn players but yet nothing by the officials uh they have never approached him to tell to stop it well i mean you know trash talk look 
I, again, that's something well, that I've goes. I've seen us get some foul calls because of it or technical. You can get it for taunting, for making motions, right. for jawing at the bench after well, a made shot during taunting at times. You during during a play, I have no problem with trash talking. Trash talking is not a should not yeah, be a foul, not, regardless. Yeah. Um. Even though it is sometimes called, I don't think that was where Quinterly should have been tossed from the game, if at all. Okay, I'm through grumbling. Saturday, I'm hoping a guys, you know, you know, have decided, you know, enough's enough, and they're tired of it, and we pull this game out. Um, well, what's your guys' level of confidence that uh, they're, they're going to be, um, you know, playing as well as they did last night, and this time that uh, they finish it? I have no idea. I, I think this team's exhausted. I think they're beat up, and I think they're tired of losing, and there's two ways you can go from there. You can either, like you say, say enough is enough and play your heart out and beat Tennessee by 30 because you're at home, or they can say, man, this sucks and we're tired of dealing with suck. And you know, and I, I hope they come out with the former. I hope they come out fighting and scratching and clawing, but you just don't know how a team is going to react. Bruce Pearl's a really good coach. He's, good. he's a great motivator, and I think he's going to do his best to get him there. But the, the way that Auburn has lost – the, their six games on the road, it's demoralizing and it can derail a season. And if Auburn loses at Tennessee, if Auburn loses to Tennessee on Saturday, I'm going to say that it has derailed this season. And yet they know the importance of losing this game. Absolutely, right. they do. Okay. All right. Speaking of blowing leads, guys, what in the world happened last night with a, uh, at one point, a, uh, I think a 13 nothing lead, and it was 16 to 2, and then all of a sudden it's 16 to 8. We couldn't find pitchers to stop their uh, uh, A&M's uh, uh, hitting. Well, what happened, guys? Who were these pitchers that they were just getting uh, you know, uh, demolished? Yeah, mid- some midweek guys are, are going to be the guys that Auburn just wanted to get a look at and uh, are not necessarily the guys to be pitching on the weekend. Uh, they're, they're just some young guys that uh, they're trying to give an opportunity to. And, and just in general, even in midweek games, once you get in the SEC play, you're not trying to play or pitch your best pitchers. You're trying to save them all for the weekend series. So, yes, they, they gave up some runs there, uh, but ultimately still won a run-roll game. Okay, all right. Uh, enough with that then. And then we got a 5 o'clock game today, of course, that we've already talked about. So tomorrow you're not – you're kind of iffy whether you'll have the show at all or – part of the show yeah so i'll, I'll kind of give you a preview if auburn women's basketball wins tonight we will definitely have some form of a show tomorrow uh because it'll change what station all of our all, all the events air on uh pretty much the softball doubleheader tomorrow is why we would not have a show and if auburn women's basketball wins that softball doubleheader gets moved to 99.9 kate fm uh if auburn women's basketball loses tonight then softball is on our station at 3 o'clock, and it's a doubleheader. So unless there is some sort of rain out tomorrow, which there will be rain in the morning, that's the other X factor, uh, unless there's some sort of rain out, if Auburn women's basketball loses tonight, there will not be a show tomorrow. So it, you know for a fact if Auburn women's basketball wins tonight, there will be a show. Uh, but then if, if Auburn women's basketball loses tonight, check kind of softball's feed and see if they're still scheduled to play two games tomorrow. So it's win-win if our basketball team wins then. Yes. We get, all, we get your show and we get the win. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, and uh, just real, real, real quickly, uh, guys, um, you know, the uh, 
the, the, the way this national season has turned out is not the way, uh, obviously, most all the fans would want to turn out. However, you know, I wouldn't trade Coach Pearl uh, for any other coach, uh, no matter uh, what was this thing. I, I've been reading some nonsense. People said Bruce Pearl's uh, on the hot seat. Are you serious? On the hot seat? We've not been this good in, in ages, right? Yeah, that 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 is just fodder for people to get mad about. I mean, it's not... It is not educated uh, opinion or, or, or thought at all. Okay. And then I saw where for, uh, uh, our football team, apparently we've lost one of our analysts to uh, Detroit University today. Is that right? Yeah, Joe Bernardi. He was the guy yeah. who took over as the interim O-line coach last season when uh, when Will Friend got, got that OC job after Brian Harson's firing and Cadillac took over. Um, and, he, and he showed that he could, he could do a pretty okay job. And so he's been hired by Troy. He, he was How back. He was... He was back as a uh, as an offensive analyst for Auburn, but now he's going to be an on the field coach. How impactful is uh, his uh, leaving us? I mean, it, he's an he's a young up and comer. He's going to Troy, and Troy is not a small college football program. You know, I mean, they're not Auburn, but there it, it's a big deal to be the O line coach at Troy. I think it's just the it's the natural progression of these things. You are a graduate assistant, then you're an analyst, then you're an assistant at a small time school, and then you climb the ladder from there. And this is just the natural order. Okay, and then finally, I saw that was it Avery Johnson that we lost. That's leaving the team. Avery Jernigan, Avery Jernigan yeah. is uh, is leaving the team. And uh, and look, Auburn brought in three or four offensive tackles from the portal, so some some processing there is not surprising. Okay, yeah, I I read where he left of his own volition that he wasn't forced out. Right. Okay, that's it, guys. Uh, I do appreciate the uh, the therapy uh, time that you've allotted me. So uh, my time is up, and. Uh, I uh, can only hope that you guys have a more relaxing, uh, entertaining afternoon. Hope, uh, hopefully, uh, our basketball team uh, on the women's side uh, will be more, uh, I guess, uh, adept at uh, finishing a game than our basketball team from last night. But you know, I'm proud of those guys. They never gave up. They fought hard. Um, they they could have thrown in the towel when they were uh, that's what was a nine a nine zero sixteen point run, uh, but they didn't do it. So uh, with that said. Talk to you tomorrow. Hopefully we uh, win today, and then I get to uh, ramble again and grump some more tomorrow with you guys. All right, until tomorrow, guys, hopefully uh, War Eagle. War Eagle, that is retired Ward AM Steve. We always appreciate his phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line. Need to take our next timeout of the show. More sports call coming up after this timeout. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lloyd, Brant Daughtry. Appreciate Brooks Childress for being on the show today. He is now gone off 
to approximately seven feet to my left, just through a glass pane. We can see him. Into the FM Talk studio. We just can't hear him. Help produce Auburn women's basketball tonight, airtime in about 15 minutes. Of course, we hope you stay tuned to us, but if you do want to go check out the Auburn women's basketball game, you end up missing our third and final hour. You can go back and listen again on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live, you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola tastes the feeling, and of course... Our podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and the Tiger Communications app. All right, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays and sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Today's list is a good one. We'll start off with Ben Roethlisberger, who turns 41, former Steelers quarterback. Roethlisberger was born in Ohio, where he was captain of the high school baseball, basketball, and football teams. Played college football at Miami of Ohio and was a starter for three years. In three years with the Red Hawks, Big Ben broke every single game, season, and career passing record for the school. Nice, as well as the NCAA record for most 200-plus yard games in a season. His records stand today after his graduation. His number seven was retired by Miami of Ohio. He was drafted by the Steelers, 11th overall in 2004. Spent his entire 18-year career there. Six-time Pro Bowler, two-time passing yards leader, two-time Super Bowl champion. Holds the record for most 500-yard games in the NFL and most completions in a game. And you know when you don't like a quarterback of which I surely did not like Ben Roethlisberger (laughs) you know how like the most satisfying thing is a good sack it's not even necessarily a turnover it's just give him a good thump in the backfield it was impossible with him he was too big he he was bigger than the defensive end trying to sack him Uh, I I think the first Super Bowl I remember watching actually was that Steelers Cardinals Super Bowl uh, yeah that one hurt. I really liked Kurt Warner. I don't know why. <laughs> I just thought he was such a pure passer of the football. Yeah. And uh, I was hurt on that one. Uh, but great big uh, Big Ben moment. And Big Big Ben Roethlisberger turns 41 today. Reggie Bush turns 38. Mm. Former NFL running back. Bush was born in California. Was a high school All-American. The number one running back recruit in the country. In his three years at Southern Cal, Bush was one of the best players in the country. He was a national champion, two-time Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year, two-time All-American, winner of the 2005 Walter Camp, Dope Walker, and Heisman Memorial Trophies, although don't tell the NCAA that. He was selected second overall by the Saints in 2006, played 10 years in the NFL, was a pro bowler one time and an all-pro and a Super Bowl champion, one of the most electric players ever in college football. Reggie Bush turns 38 today. Give him his Heisman back. Seems fair. Denny Crum turns 86, former Louisville head coach. Crum was born in California, played college basketball at UCLA. After his graduation in 1958, he began coaching and was involved in three national titles, was named head coach at Louisville in 1971, coached the Cardinals for 30 years, was two-time NCAA tournament champion, six-time Final Four participant, and two-time coach of the year. He was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 1994. Denny Crum turns 86 today. And then Al Del Greco turns 61, former Auburn and NFL place kicker. Del Greco was born in Rhode Island, 
played college football at Auburn. It's a long way. Over his four seasons on the Plains, Del Greco set several school and conference records, currently sits fifth all-time in scoring for Auburn. After his time at Auburn, he played 16 seasons in the NFL, most of them for the Titans. He holds the Titans franchise record for field goals, extra points, and most points scored. And we were looking up this before the show. He was on radio in Birmingham for a little while. Uh, he is still in Birmingham. He is now the coach of the Samford golf team okay. for the last seven years, which well, is not a bad gig. You know, that kicking motion with your leg is a lot like swinging a driver, so that's probably the, probably the same principle. Yes, as well. <laughs> so Al Del Greco turns 61 today. Denny Crum, 86. Reggie Bush, 38. Ben Roethlisberger, 41. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Going to take our next commercial break of the show today. When we come back, we'll get back to the sports talk. A little bit more on Auburn, Alabama. Also got to break down the SEC standings with just one game to go. What it means for Auburn's place in the SEC tournament. Who they might play. What they might need to do. Bracketology. All the stress. All the bubbles coming up right after this timeout. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Sports call here on this Thursday. Ryan Lavoy, Brant Dontre here to thank you the rest of the way. We do have a full show today. And again, if you were listening to our conversation with Steve, we do not know if we will have a show tomorrow. That will be based on A, Auburn women's basketball. If they win, we will definitely have a show. If they lose, we probably will not have a show. However, if something in particular, if Auburn softball gets rained out tomorrow, which is possible or pushback or something, then we could have a show. So keep it tuned to at Sports Call AU on Twitter. Uh, we will try and let you know in the 2 o'clock hour at the very latest if we will be having a show tomorrow. So we're going to kind of hybrid this discussion into you know, to look a little bit more back at last night, what it means, but also have to prepare for this potentially being the last hour or so of radio for the week, which means we need to look ahead towards this weekend's action in that Auburn-Tennessee game and just kind of the scenarios for the SEC tournament because Auburn is clearly now uh, in that stratosphere of tournament time's going to matter. It's going to matter to them. It, it might matter that in the fact that they might need to win one or two 
to solidify their spot. It might matter that they don't want someone like Mississippi State having a big SEC tournament. It might matter that, again, some of these smaller conferences, you don't want to have teams uh, steal a bid. You might not want you got to check on other bubble teams. You got to check on the Wisconsin's of the world, the North Carolinas of the world, the Utah States of the world. Uh, all these teams from last four by to next four out, they're all in play here because, again, we don't know exactly where they are. Lenardi is a best guess tool. He is not the truth on that. We don't know exactly where these teams stand. They're all within what I would call the margin of error for Lenardi and all these bracketology people. So. With that in mind, let's first look at the SEC standings um, up to date. And Auburn is at seventh now. And despite the fact that they are just one clear of Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Florida, they actually cannot fall below seven. They beat all those teams. If there's some sort of three-way tie, then they have a perfect record on those teams. That's the tiebreaker after... Uh, head-to-head, which, of course, you can't have head-to-head in a three-way or four-way tie, so it goes to your, the collection of records against common opponents in that tie, and Auburn beat them all and didn't lose any. Uh, and that's obviously not the case because all of them lost to at least Auburn. So Auburn cannot fall below the seventh seed. They, however, really do not have much of a path to getting much better because they need the, – the minute Missouri wins, and Missouri plays Ole Miss Saturday – Auburn then can't get the sixth seed either because while they can tie Vandy on record, it would be a two-way tie. The tiebreaker is just head-to-head. They Liam, only played once. Shout-out to Liam Robbins. And Liam Rosin, uh, Rosins? Liam Robbins took 5,000 free throws in that game. And so, therefore, Vandy won. I hate to sound like a broken record, but, man, <laughs> the refs. <laughs> and so, because of the head-to-head there, Auburn would lose out. They'd be the seven. If there is a three-way tie, if Missouri somehow loses at home to Ole Miss uh, and Vandy loses, or or Vandy wins, and then Missouri and Auburn are a tiebreaker, Auburn would get that tiebreaker. If there's a three-way tie between Missouri, Vandy, and Auburn, I, I being forthcoming, I don't know the exact result of all that. Uh, Auburn, so basically Auburn, there is a potential scenario for Auburn to get the five, but again, the moment Missouri beats Ole Miss, no matter what Auburn does, no matter what Vandy does, uh, Auburn's going to be the seventh. So you then look at, okay, they still get the first round by. They'd actually be in the same type of game Auburn women's team is going to be in here in a few minutes. It's just they'll be the, the invert. Auburn will be the seven playing the ten, not Auburn playing being the ten playing the seven like they are tonight. So who's going to be the ten? Well, it's going to be either Mississippi State, Arkansas, or Florida. They're in that three-way tie at eight and nine. I can tell you, I think there's a clear preference here uh, of who you'd want to play. Absolutely. And that's Florida. Now, Florida, or was that not what I was going to say, say Mississippi State. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll have well, some... And, good... and to, to be fair, I've said this before on this show, if it's college basketball, if Auburn's not playing, I'm probably not watching it, so you probably are more informed than I am, so make your argument. So here's why. Now, Auburn played them both at home and both were uncomfortably close, but Auburn played Mississippi State when Mississippi State was struggling back in January. Mississippi State's much has gotten things righted here in February, else they wouldn't be on the bubble. Florida, if you'll recall, Colin Castleton got injured. He oh, has not right. played in two weeks. Now, I have not double-checked his status for what they're thinking for next week. 
I think Brant might do some research right here. But if I Colin Castleton use the Google machine, if Colin Castleton does not play for Florida in the SEC tournament, you you unequivocally want Florida. Absolutely. Um, if he comes back, okay, you can maybe have a debate between Mississippi State there. But again, with the Mississippi State part of it, uh, Mississippi State here as of late, they just came off a win against Texas A&M. I know they kind of weirdly played a close game with South Carolina, um, but they still have an A&M victory. It was a close loss to Missouri in overtime, a close loss to Kentucky. They beat Arkansas on the road in this month. They did beat Missouri uh, when they were in Starkville. Mississippi State's had a really solid month uh, in the month of February. Uh, so I, I think the clear preference for Auburn in the first round of the SEC tournament is to end up playing Florida, not Mississippi State or Arkansas. Obviously, Arkansas has gotten healthier recently, too, and might present more problems, although Auburn uh, did a good job against the Razorbacks inside of Neville Arena. So that would be the preferred pecking order there. And you're going to play one of those threes. Now, the other part of playing Mississippi State, if you were going back to that angle, is that that is a very important bubble game if that happens. Mississippi State is also right on the bubble with Auburn, and a neutral site contest between the two teams at this stage in the year could have significant weight with the committee. Now, you get back into the debate on if the committee really even cares what happens in these postseason conference tournaments. In years past, they seem like they have not. They seem like they, they pretty much ignore them as far as an at-large bubble type of scenario. But, again, you've got Auburn and Mississippi State right on that bubble within a couple spots of each other within the NCAA tournament. Well, if those two teams play, a, a logical person would say that that could influence their thinking on the, on the preference and the outcome uh, of that game in those two teams. So if you believed Auburn was going to have a very high chance of beating Mississippi State, and that game were to occur and Auburn beats Mississippi State, that's one team you have no worries about getting in over you uh, in the NCAA tournament. So again, Auburn's probably going to finish seven unless Missouri somehow flubs up at home to Ole Miss. And then Vandy would be six, Auburn would be seven. You would have Mississippi State, Arkansas, Florida in the 8-9-10. Now, to actually see what's going to happen here, here is the the schedule for those three teams. So Florida will host LSU. That is probably a win. I know LSU won one recently against Vanderbilt, but Florida at home against LSU, you can't ask for something much easier. So there's a really really solid chance that Florida will get that ninth win. As far as Arkansas Mississippi State, Arkansas hosts Kentucky. Pick any day of the week, you'll get a different Kentucky team. Uh, it is a very week-by-week basis for what kind of Kentucky team shows up? They get right back in the rankings, and, and then what does Kentucky do in the midweek? They lose at home to Vanderbilt. So Kentucky is hard to figure. That's very much a 50-50 game, in my opinion, in Fayetteville between Arkansas and Kentucky. And then Mississippi State in the final game of the year, they are at Vanderbilt. That is going to be a tough one. So my thought here is you end up with um, – Something other than Florida, because Florida has the by far the easiest game in these last three. Again, hosting LSU, Mississippi State going to Vanderbilt, and Arkansas hosting Kentucky. Now, look, Mississippi State can beat Vandy. They can. 
but it's a road game. It's a little dicier. Arkansas, of course, can beat Kentucky in Fayetteville, but Kentucky is hot and cold. They were just cold a game ago, so maybe they'll be hot this game. And then again, Florida, even without Castleton, they're hosting LSU, and that's about as easy as you can get in the SEC. That or Ole Miss or South Carolina. Put put Ole Miss, South Carolina, LSU in the bottom bucket, and that's all about the same type of dynamic. So I think Auburn should want Florida, but Florida has the easiest path to a ninth win. If they all tie, I am unsure. If there's, I'd have to go back through all the tiebreakers, but just based off who they play, Florida's got the best chance to go to 9-9. Not that the others don't have a, a decent chance, but certainly Arkansas and Mississippi State have losable games that could keep them from, from advancing to that ninth win that put Florida in the eight, and then you, you Auburn would have either Arkansas or Mississippi State. So that's the SEC tournament scenario. And if Auburn does not beat Tennessee in this final game of the year, I, I – I tell you what, I just don't think Auburn can get in if they lose the first game of the SEC tournament at that point. It would be too cold of a team that's just trending in such a downward direction without a vast wealth of quality wins. Again, thank God for Northwestern. That's still one of the ugliest wins I've ever seen. Tony Barbie would have been proud. <laughs> and then, and that's the best win on the resume. And then the other best wins would all be home games. It would be like Missouri and Arkansas at home. Tournament teams, sure, but home games. Not quad one wins necessarily. Depends on the moment. So a lot to digest there, but uh, the, the bottom line is Auburn is now bubble of bubbles. I think it helped to a degree that they went to number two Bama and took them to overtime. It, as much as it hurts because a win would have locked Auburn in, it would have been a triumphant win over the arch rival. That would have been awesome for sure. But I do think that was a a little setup to if Auburn has to go through the benefit of the doubt process, that might be a, a good thing in the benefit of the doubt process. If they had gotten thumped like they did against Kentucky, then you're, I think you still are having a different conversation, even though it's still a loss is a loss. I think Auburn at least got in a better spot with the eye test based off of what happened last night. Yeah, uh, for for all the good an eye test does you. The the net rankings are the is the ranking that really takes into account margin of victory. Auburn did not move after losing to Alabama. Uh, they they were thirty seventh uh, last uh, yesterday and they're thirty seventh today. So that doesn't really do you any favors, but it doesn't really hurt you. But I don't know. Like like you said, you you lose these last three in a row. You get stomped. You get you get a mud hole stomped in you by Kentucky. And then a heartbreaker at Alabama, and then you, like you said, you get cold and you lose to Tennessee, and then you lose in the the first round of the tournament. That's pretty tough, um, and pretty pretty tough to overcome. Uh, if you, I think, if you win one of these last three, you're pretty much not guaranteed, but you're darn close to guaranteed a spot. So, you know, it, all all this talk about bracketology is great, and I understand why we're having it. If Auburn goes out and beats Tennessee, that's pretty much the only way that they can lock themselves in. If they don't win, then you're going to need several wins in the conference tournament. And if you can't get those, then you're leaving it up to a coin flip, essentially. I would feel very good about Auburn's NCAA chances if they beat Tennessee. And we will talk about that game coming up in hour number three. 
uh, as we again will next week we'll have to start breaking down everyone's resumes and right. comparing quad one victories and all that but I still agree on, on the Auburn Tennessee part and according to the Google machine Colin Castleton is still dealing with a broken hand they don't know if he'll be available or not so again a lot of reason to root for an LSU triumph in the swamp to make Florida that 10 seed and make that an Auburn Florida first round matchup not saying that a win against Florida just makes your resume that much more flowery but Gives you a really great chance of getting the win in the first place, which, for is, sure. which is the first step. Out of time for hour number two. More sports calling coming up after this. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry with you here. Again, we do not know if there will be a show tomorrow or not, so we're going to try We and should know by the... Well, no, we won't know by the end of the show, will we? We, we might have an idea, but then yeah. also rain could factor in tomorrow. That's true. But uh, Auburn women's basketball against Georgia in Greenville, South Carolina, has tipped. If you're looking for that, FM Talk 93.9 is the place to be uh, for second-round SEC tournament action. We'll give you an update or two before we get off the air over here, here as well. Uh, we've talked a lot of Auburn basketball, understandably so. We're going to mix it up a little bit. We will get back to Auburn and do a little bit of a breakdown of the Tennessee game in the event that we do not have a show again tomorrow. But uh, let's mix it up for a few minutes here uh, let's talk a little college football. A couple quick, quick items right here. So this was brought up on the show a little bit earlier in the week, and I kind of lose track of days sometimes and topics that we want to talk about. So we have hit on this, but I don't think we've we've talked at much length about this. And that is the proposed timing rule changes in college football uh, to try and address the kind of ever growing uh, time it's taking to complete these games now. A lot of people have some strong opinions here based off of the, the increase in advertising over the years, some of these really long and frequent media timeouts. Uh, if you hear the SEC on CBS music, you just know that four, out, four hours later is when the game will conclude. Um, so I looked at this from Brandon Marcello the other week. Fascinating to hear that non-televised college football games are only two minutes shorter on average than televised games. College football games averaged three hours and 21 minutes in 2022 per Sports Illustrated. Uh, not surprising, however, to hear SEC games longer than average. Replay review system also could be looked at and be overhauled. So that was an interesting nugget. And look, I think we all would like, in a perfect world, to have less commercials. I think that's an obvious statement that everyone... Uh, would like they have obviously increased the amount of breaks and even the length of some of these breaks in recent years but what we know about sports is 
we have still yet to seen, especially in football too, once you open a, a valve of money, then shutting that valve off. Yeah. That's just not that's just not something they're gonna do. We we can want that and desire that all we want. They're not gonna start doing less commercials. Uh, so they're trying to think of other ways to shorten the game up a little bit. And I think a couple of these make sense. I also think a couple of these will do so little that it won't really make much of an impact. And then there's one that I, I do not like at all. So let's talk about these. These proposed rule changes to uh, shorten college football games up a little bit. One of the ones I think is kind of inconsequential, it's a, it's a nothing burger at the end of the day, is a proposed rule where if there's a defensive penalty at the end of the first or third quarter, there is not an untimed down to end that quarter. You just go on to the second or fourth quarter. Now, obviously, at the end of the first half and the end of the second half, there would be an untimed down for defensive penalty, that, or else that would become a strategy. But in the first and third quarter, no untimed down. That might happen to a team once or twice a year. That's not even an every game occurrence. There. Right. That's, I, I don't have an issue with it. Yeah, I, I, you say, you called it a nothing burger. I'm there with you. That's I, I think that's perfectly fine. And so that should not really be contested. I, I, I don't know why there would be an argument saying that that would be completely unnecessary. Uh, another timing rule, which I think – I. There's, I think there was three or four, and I want to make sure I don't forget one because I think there was another timing rule, and now I'm, and now I'm doing a great job of not, uh, not remembering these. But there is a, there's going to be a timing rule to not stop the clock for first downs. Mm-hmm. That one could be contested a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be a deal breaker for a lot of people. So, in other words, in the First and third quarters, first downs will not stop the clock, really, under any circumstance. And then in the second and fourth quarter, first downs will not stop the clock until I think you get under two minutes in the second quarter and maybe under five minutes in the fourth quarter, I believe it is. Uh, or, or maybe it's two minutes under both quarters. But nevertheless, in the late half situations, you would still stop the clock with a first down. You would not at other times. Uh, of course, it's always been a part of the college game, or it has been for a very long time, at least. So there's gonna be there's always gonna be some general brushback to change, but I'm not I'm not to- fundamentally opposed to that. I, I I think it would be fine because they will stop the clock for first downs again in late half situations. So that's still a mechanism to aid in comebacks, or you know, just a rule that would not prohibit them. So. I, I don't mind that. It would definitely speed up some play uh, because that that would – I mean, there's, what, maybe 15 to 20 first downs a team a game. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, of those 80 or 90% of those are occurring in the parameters of first, third quarter or early second and fourth quarter. So that's going to be 20 to 30 instances a game where the clock does not pause for five to ten seconds. So I could – I'm not going to do it on the fly. You could complicatedly try and, and, and math out how many plays that would take out of a game, how much time it would take out. But, I mean, again, if you're stopping the clock for 5 to 10 seconds 30 times a game, and now you will not be doing that, that will take some time. So what are right. your thoughts on that part of it? I, I'm wondering because after first downs stops the clock only until the ball is set, right? This is not 
you stop right. the ball until the next snap right. of the ball. Yeah. This that's is why it's just five to ten seconds of right. clock pausing. Right. Yes. So I, I, I don't mind it because, like you said, it's not that massive of a change. Um, you're, you're not taking up any major major chunks of time, but over a season. That would definitely add up for sure. Over a game, it would probably add up as well. So I don't, I don't have any major feelings towards that. I don't care what. I don't, I'm not rooting for it. I'm not rooting against it. It's kind of, well, if this happens, something to keep track of. Especially if they're going to leave it in the final, what do you say, three or four minutes, five minutes of of the halves. So that that at that point, I think you want the clock stopped a little bit in the hur- possible hurry up situations. But uh, as far as the full game goes, I don't have any problem with it. And so, by the way, I did f- finally find the article, and it is two minutes of each half. So it's not okay. five minutes of the of the fourth quarter. I, I could expand um, that to three, but the, three the, or four. The reason I, I thought with. of five is the, the way the NFL does their out of bounds is they stop the clock completely with two minute under two minutes in the first half and under five minutes in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So that's why that five was in my head. But it is two under this rule proposal. The other. Uh, mundane proposal, which I think everyone would be on board with here that I was I was forgetting at the time, was the consecutive timeouts. And I, I really I, I really don't see the need to to keep consecutive timeouts being permissible just because A, do you need the ice kicker that long? Yeah. And then B, if you call a timeout and then are late breaking the huddle and then about to get delay a game or something and need to call a timeout. Why? Yeah. <laughs> you call a timeout, yeah. get get it get it together quicker than that. So no consecutive timeouts. I don't think it'll be an issue with. Here is the thing though that is rougher that I, I, I don't I don't think you and I will agree with. I mean I think we'll have the same opinion on this, right. what I'm saying. Right. Is the clock not stopping um for an incomplete pass. So in other words the this would mean the clock will stop for the for the initial incompletion, but then when the ball is set, it's going to be treated. In other words, how a first down used to be treated. Right. It will stop until the ball is set, and then the clock will start again. That is a pretty drastic change. I agree. That is not something that happens in other forms of football, unless it's you know clock running down in the in a high school second half of a forty nine to nothing game where it's a running clock. That 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 does not happen, and I don't think it should happen. I mean, I, I think you agree with me here. Is there a reason to say that it would be a good rule change? No, I, I'm with you. I don't like the only reason you would do it is to speed up the game. But let's look at some of the negatives as a wide receiver say you're on a deep route well say so you're running you're running a deep route and there's a short time left right you're in your two minute drill and you're going deep on this play well you go deep quarterback overthrows you or underthrows you or the defensive back makes a good play and breaks the ball up now all of a sudden you are 40 yards downfield You've just run as hard as you can, 40 yards downfield. Now you have to run back to the huddle, 40 yards upfield, and you may go deep again. So now you're running 120 yards as fast as you possibly can. That takes away from you as a receiver. Now, selfishly, as an offense, as a former offensive lineman, uh, let's talk about these guys that are way bigger than I am trying to do that. Once the ball leaves the quarterback's hands, the offensive lineman can go downfield and try to block somebody to spring that receiver. Well... 
that offensive lineman sees the sees the ball in the air, he starts running at full speed down the field. He gets about 30 yards, 25, 30 yards downfield, and now all of a sudden he's got to stop and cut, sprint back to the line, and now he's got to try and pass block when he's just sprinted 50 yards. That To me, it, it, this would take away from the performance in the two-minute drills because you don't give guys time in between plays. They've got to go full speed for a, a, a minute, a minute and a half, rather than in tw- in ten to fifteen second intervals. Probably not even that long, but you know you're you're running a lot longer, and that that'll take away from the quality of play in those two minute drills. Well, and I think it would change some strategy too. Um, I, I want to make sure here that this is not going to be time oriented. Um, it does not say anything about time of game like the others do, like under two minutes. It, right. it would not do this. Look, it, it would be a big thing for you as the leading team to risk throwing an incomplete pass on third down or second down when the other team's trying to get the ball back late and maybe only has one timeout or regardless of the timeout situation. It's a big thing if you throw an incomplete pass yeah. at trying to fend off a lead. Well, now it's only going to be a five or ten second penalty. They're just going to set the ball, and you got to pass it. You got to run normal offense, and I, and I I don't think the strategy should change just because you're trying to get a game in fifteen minutes yeah. quicker. If it's if it's third and four, and you have the lead, and you're on, I don't know, you're somewhere around midfield, and you have the ability to pass to hopefully get the first down or run and keep the clock running and you, you know like you like you say the strategy the strategy of that moment is important and the play call is important and I, I think taking that away not having a penalty for an incomplete pass while you have the lead and not offering a benefit for an incomplete pass when you're trying to stop the clock I mean would it would a spike still stop the clock at that point because that's why it stops in it's an incomplete pass right they made it maybe would have to have a special rule time special timing rule to, to allow that to happen but the 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 note there is and, and this was done by ross stellinger was that that was not a very supported rule at the moment okay. it is not it is not likely to go through so let me do say that before everyone starts to panic and 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 cuss and scream is that that one is probably not going through the other three are on track to go through there is support uh, the, the the consecutive timeouts thing and the uh, no free play to end a first or third quarter, those two things are, are very, very supported. And then the clock stoppage on a first down no longer happening, that does have some support too. That one could end up going through. Um, this one, though, fortunately is – cooler heads prevailing for now is far less likely to go through but again college game times have been going up recently and marcella notes uh, again we we read the tweet a few minutes ago the the last note of that too is you got to find a way to speed up the replay process too and that and that by the way is not just a time of play deal where oh we took we had 10 minutes worth of reviews today that that really killed my experience well it's not that part of it it is the flow of the game gets so disrupted by multiple two and three and four minute reviews and i i I, we, we will go over at some point 
the, the more specific ways you can try and alter that because and some of us kind of are insisting on more reviews in a way because we want challenges and we'll make sure the call's right, but you can't have the cake and eat it too in this sense because then if you have so many reviews, you're just adding uh, such a, a dysfunctional nature of the of the flow of the game that it would be pretty difficult to justify having five or six stoppages that take three minutes and all of a sudden the game is just snail's pace because you wanted to get a call right. There's a balancing act to that uh, that, that makes it a little more complicated than just say always want to get the calls right or always want to be quick. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. I think it was Pat McAfee who said it several years ago. It is ridiculous that we have these massive TV screens and officials have to go over and look at this iPad or Windows tablet or, or whatever uh, to go make this call. When when everybody in the stadium, you've got, let's take Jordan Air Stadium, you've got 87,000 people in that stadium that can look at the biggest television in all of college football and they can see what's going on because that screen's pretty good. It's not like, you know, 480p. It's, it, it's a high-definition screen. So you can see very clearly, hey, this is what happened. This is the correct call. But the, the officials have to go and look at this iPad. Um, it, again, as we said, it, it's never going to happen, but the easiest way to cut down on game time is cut down commercials. There's no reason to have a three-and-a-half-minute commercial break in the middle of a quarter just because a team scored and they, a team scored. You know, There's about to be a change of possession. You don't need a commercial break that's that long. I'm fine with, I think it's five minutes in between quarters right now. I'm okay with that. I get it. But... You know these in-quarter breaks. I think can stand to be shorter. Let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line. Next up on the show today, Keith from Auburn. Keith joins us. Keith, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Doing well. Hey, I just wanted to uh, mention, and I don't, I don't know if y'all talked about it or not, but uh, uh, Saturday morning, uh, the Valley Rams, which is in the uh, uh, listening area, Auburn Opelika area. Uh, is going to play for the 5A state championship in uh, boys basketball. Uh, they're 33 and 0, and uh, for a team to have not lost a game in the regular season uh, is pretty uh, impressive. I'd like to. Uh, uh, Coach Harper is just a. He's been there a long, long time, and he's a super great guy. Cares about kids, and um, you know I hope um, they have an opportunity to to win on Saturday morning and uh, finish the season 34-0 with a perfect record and a state championship. Um, I'm going to try, uh, if good Lord willing, uh, me and my son and a couple others going to try to go up there and watch some of that basketball. Uh, they're, they're actually playing Charles Henderson uh, out of Troy. Uh, I have not seen uh, the Charles Henderson play this year, but uh, I, I do know that they, their coach, uh, his son, is a very good basketball player, a really good shooter. Um, so it ought to be an interesting game. I know uh, Charles Henderson must have a lot of uh, talented players at, in high school because, you know, they lost in the 5A state championship game in football. So they're back in it in basketball uh, against Valley. So it's going to be an interesting uh, game, and, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And I just wanted to give a shout-out to the Valley boys, and Valley Rams, and, and Coach Harper and wish them the best of luck Saturday morning. Absolutely. That sounds like that's going to be a, a really fun matchup, and you're right, going undefeated 
uh, in anything that requires that many games would be very impressive. Absolutely. Anyway, guys, I just listened to the show. Just wanted to, to uh, bring that to your attention and uh, and and uh, you know let everybody know about that. If you ain't got nothing planned Saturday morning, be probably be a pretty good basketball game. Go up and watch them play there in Birmingham. But y'all guys, keep up the great work. Enjoy listening to you, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. We appreciate the phone call. That is Keith from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line, talking a little bit about the uh, high school basketball championships in Birmingham. Uh, Valley undefeated on the season. And then uh, we know Keith does a lot of work in Troy now, and so Charles Henderson out of Troy taking them on. That'll be a fun one. And I mentioned it. Yeah, I don't care what level it is. You do something 32 or 33 times perfectly. Uh, (laughs) That is very impressive. So we'll see if they uh, they complete that perfect season on Saturday. Yeah, I was trying to remember if I've seen Valley play this year. I thought I had. Uh, when I was calling for Smith Station basketball earlier this year, but I, I, I guess not because I just looked at their schedule. They played Beauregard a couple of times, so I'm wondering if I went to one of those games. But yeah, like you said, going 33 and 0 is really impressive. Uh, and, and I, you know, there's there's no region or area or whatever around here that's a slouch. So going undefeated in a full basketball season is really impressive. And you know, good luck to Valley and good luck to everybody else playing over this weekend. Absolutely. Let's take one more phone call here before our next break. Next up on the Auburn Bank phone line, Michael from Auburn. Michael joins us. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing good, guys. I, I caught a tailwind of you talking about uh, some of the, the speeding up the game, and so I didn't know if y'all were talking about the proposed college football rules or not. Yes, we were. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I. I mean, in my opinion, it just that would take away, you know, the some of the the, the finishes that we've seen in so many games. You know, with Texas A and M and Alabama and us and the kick six. I, I, I like it on that pace of play. Uh, you know, to be able to you know stop the clock with a first down and and there's just some weird rules with the pros of you know if you're not leaning forward and you're going out of bounds, the clock keeps going. It just you open up a a weird interpretation of the rules that I think would be very hard to to accommodate. I just keep college college and keep pro pro. Sure, yeah, and I, I think that you know there there are a couple more mundane rules that uh, are are not going to be big problems, but they're also not going to really do a whole lot for the game. Like we were we we're talking about, you know, the consecutive timeout thing. I, I don't think anyone necessarily is going to hold to the opinion that you've got to be able to have the need to call back-to-back timeouts. Uh, but, you know, that's something that necessarily doesn't happen every game. And then also uh, the, the the little deal there where, where they're going to let, if there's a defensive penalty at the end of the first or third quarter, they're not going to do an untimed down to end that quarter. Again, that's something that does not happen in every game. So those are not really going to do much for the average game. But obviously those incomplete passes would uh, if they keep the clock running during that. And then obviously the first down component, uh, which would be much more like the NFL deal there. Uh, Those are the more, you know, they're going to take more chunks out of the game, but it's also more of a stylistic change that people have to be comfortable with. Yeah, but just in this decade, you look at the one second of the kick in 2019 and then the kick six, both of those plays go away. Because of that, and then also, I mean, the only back-to-back timeouts I can think of is you're just trying to ice a kicker. Like I've seen, you know, hey, if I've got, you know, I'm going to burn up all my timeouts at the end of the game, just like trying to ice a kicker would be right. the only scenario that I'm calling back-to-back timeouts or something. So, but, all right, guys, I appreciate it. 
Yes, sir. That is Michael from Auburn joining us in the Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate you for calling the show today, Michael. Uh, and we appreciate Keith as well for calling in just before that. But yeah, this uh, this conversation is. I mean, you affect. You could be affecting the way some strategies work out. You could be affecting the way the game is played, and ultimately. People like us just don't want to hear the money argument very often. You know, right, I mean, you, right. you you already make a lot off of these games, and they used to make a lot. And part of it, too, is you're, you're telling me that you can't cut out either 30 seconds of a break. Yeah, just take, at, just take some one point commercial. Or, or take one less break, a, a, a half. And, and would it not work out to where could you not charge a little bit more for each spot? to make up for that or would that price a lot of people out of the market i mean those are questions that the tv execs and and people in the league off and stuff would know way better than i would but i'm just saying that if you decrease inventory there could you not make it more lucrative to be a part of it at all could you not charge a little bit more maybe not in this economy i do not know but obviously if it's something that requires you to take a pay cut if you're the networks or the league that that's not going they're not going to want to do that right uh and we can dislike it all we want but they're they're not going to let you know i mean they're going to they get their money at the end of the day so that part of it's going to be very interesting to see hopefully they don't again as i've stated i don't do not like the incompletion thing whatsoever the clock should stop on incompletion i do not care uh the first down thing i could live with but Again, as Michael's pointing out, you start to collide with the pro game a little bit more. There's a lot of things in life that have been colliding with the pro game a little bit more recently. So uh, if you let the first down clock continue to run, okay, that's a timing rule that's more like the NFL. If you don't want that, uh, then then perfectly understandable as well. I I could go either way. I can see both sides, but uh, definitely under no circumstance do I want there to be a clock stoppage for – uh, or for the clock to continue to run, rather, uh, while an incomplete pass had just happened. Let's go to our next break of the show. When we come back, we'll start to wrap things up in the last half hour, and we'll look forward to that Auburn-Tennessee game, start to preview that as well. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au now back to the multi-time abby award-winning sports call Welcome back to Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry. Final 15 minutes or so of the show. We do not know if it will be for the week or not. Auburn women's basketball currently playing Georgia. It is not going well for Auburn. They are being doubled up currently 30-15 to 15 with four minutes left in the first half. 
But if Auburn wins or if there is some sort of softball rain out tomorrow, we will have a show. So even if Auburn were to lose tonight, that still does not guarantee we have a, a, a show tomorrow. The only thing that guarantees we have a show tomorrow is Auburn winning. So we'll see uh, what, what happens. But with that in mind, let's go ahead and, and break down a little bit of this Auburn and Tennessee game that will be coming up Saturday inside of Neville Arena. I said I had a bold prediction earlier in the show. This is the part of the program where I will reveal that. Uh, and I don't take bold predictions too often unless I have something very thorough to support it with or have thought for days and days, maybe weeks about a matter. So I don't do the bold prediction thing a lot, but I'm about to give one. Brant, would you prefer to go first on your breakdown and then me bold it up a little bit, or do you want me to go first? I think my thoughts are going to be the same as your thoughts. You, well, it, Let's bury the lead here. You and I talked about it at, during the commercial break in which you announced that you had a bold take, so I'm going to let you go first because we are in agreement. All right. I think Auburn's going to crush Tennessee on Saturday. Okay, maybe, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, continue. Um, we were not on the same page then, because I, 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 but I did not tell Brent. We, we had a base conversation on some of the things that we thought needed to happen, but we did not reveal uh, exactly how we thought they would happen. I think Auburn's going to beat Tennessee Tennessee, pretty easily. Um, I I saw great character out of Auburn last night. I know that they, on the floor, did several things wrong in the final 10 minutes of the game that led to the 16-0 run, that that led to the ultimate loss. We talked about the referee element to it. I, I get all that. But I think that through it all, Auburn showed tremendous character and resolve. And I was not questioning it, but I was not as confident about that after the thumping at Kentucky. That was the first time that they really let go of the rope, so to speak, that they did not ever recover from the middle of the game run. But as we alluded to, yes, the the Alabama run last night was long, and it caused it to be a 50-50 ball game the final four minutes. But Auburn did bounce back. They scored. They hit a couple buckets. And then in overtime, Auburn, or excuse me, Alabama immediately gets out to an 80 to 75 lead. Auburn had a couple buckets to answer and keep cutting it to one possession. They even had a possession down two uh, in overtime. What that told me is this Auburn team is still fighting. And even though that is going to be a tough loss for them to swallow, and it, it, it hurt their tournament hopes a little bit, it was an arch rival. We all know that it, it would have prevented Alabama from cutting the nets down. We, we get all of that. I think this Auburn team is still going to continue that resolve. They only lost to Tennessee by three in Thompson Bowling Arena. They had Tennessee's offense completely figured out. Zakai Ziegler, who is one of their most dynamic players, is now out with a torn ACL, and that sucks. Don't ever want injuries like that. But nevertheless, he is not going to be on the court. And so that's one of the most athletic players they're not going to have to defend. I think they will defend Tennessee incredibly well on Saturday. And Auburn getting lost in all this Auburn just shot 60% from three in a game they were 12 of 20 and are they going to shoot 60% again no but they now all have some confidence because they all were making some shots with the one exception maybe Wendell although his two makes were late I think they're all going to be very focused very energetic they're going to make some shots on their home floor they're going to play tremendous defense and I think they're going to keep Tennessee in the 50s, 
They kept him in the 40s in Thompson Bowling. I believe they can keep him in the 50s in Neville. And I think unlike in Thompson Bowling, they're going to score around 70. It's not going to be this 92 to 92 point game, but I think they're going to beat Tennessee by 15 to 20 points on Saturday because they are going to play this similar type of defense that they did for the majority of the Bama game and then obviously all the Tennessee game. I think Tennessee is way more defendable. That is their problem as a team is Tennessee's awesome defensively, but they have problems offensively and those just got worse with Ziegler out. And then I think because it's at home, Auburn will be able to generate a few good looks on Tennessee and they'll make a few good looks on Tennessee. Again, not a 90-point game, but 70 or 75. And I think they're going to win the game 70 to 75 to about 55. Yeah, I'm not going to say 15 to 20, but I do think Auburn wins this game. Um, I'm going to say closer to 8 to 10, which is still a pretty sizable win, uh, especially for a team as good as Tennessee. Like you said, like you touched on, their their defense is really good. But m- losing Zakai Ziegler, uh, one of the things we talked about over and over again on this show is how Auburn has trouble staying in front of quick guards, right? And Ziegler was that for Tennessee. Um and while he didn't play great against Auburn, that's what he does. He's the quick guard. He's the guard that slashes, gets to the bucket. And they don't have him anymore. So your your biggest offensive threat is now uh, Santiago Vescovi, who is a really good three-point shooter. But Auburn has done a really good job of limiting three-point shooting this year. They're one of the better three-point defenses in the country. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Auburn can come in here, play better offensively, Maybe Tennessee doesn't get away with as much as they did against Auburn in the first game. Maybe neither team does, let's be honest. Um, but, yeah, I think Auburn can come in here, play better offensively, play just as well defensively, and, and can hold Tennessee to an to a low score and get enough to win by a decent margin. And, and again, if, if they do what I think they're going to do and win by eight, seven or eight or so, then that probably puts them in the tournament. I think that bumps them up to about, to about an 85% uh, looking at T-Rank. Um, but if they win by your margin, then I don't know what that does, but it certainly good certainly helps. <laughs> I think it puts them in the tournament. Um, so, again, ten- let me also uh, relay this. Tennessee does not score on the road. Uh, they, they do not play very good offensive basketball. So they've hit, and they've hit some sort of stride at home offensively. They scored 75 against Arkansas. 85 against South Carolina. I'll read you a couple more home games. 68 against Bama, 85 against Missouri, uh, all at home. Here's their road games in the month of February. They scored 63 in a loss to Texas A&M. They scored 54 in a loss to Kentucky. They scored 65 in a loss to Vandy. And they scored 54 in a loss to Florida. They're not scored more than 65, 66 points on the road. And that's Florida without Colin Castleton. Well, at that point, it, they okay, had okay. it was the the first of the month. But still, Janai Broom is comparable and probably a little bit better if we go based on head to head. So I, I think that I, I just don't see Tennessee scoring a lot of points. The, the The confidence I'm putting in here is that Auburn is going to really put their head down on the offensive end of the floor. They're going to have some confidence because they made shots a lot of them against Alabama from the perimeter. And then they're not; they're still not going to be timid or afraid. Tennessee can be a little bit more physical down low. That game was certainly chippy in Knoxville. And I, I just think Auburn's got a fighter mentality to them. I'm now confident in saying that after seeing them play Alabama. Look, it doesn't mean a damn thing in the record books that they lost both games. The final scores indicated that. 
But Auburn led more than Alabama led when the two teams yeah. played this year. Auburn did a very good job of matching up with them, and they were in no way at any time this year or in those games has Auburn been afraid or intimidated or backed down. You know, again, the Kentucky game was the one moment where I just wondered about just what happened there. You lose by 30 points. Something really went off the tracks. And for them to rebound like that in a game that I admittedly brushed off as not very not winnable proved to me that this team's attitude is absolutely still in the right place. They understand the significance. And again, that's why I'm saying it's bold. I don't think Auburn's a better basketball team than Tennessee, but I think matchup-wise, Auburn is a better matchup against Tennessee than other teams because Auburn can play good defense and really put hell in a cell for Tennessee's offense and, and keep them boxed up. And so with that in mind, you keep anyone in a low number, it doesn't take much of a flurry to all of a sudden get out to a big lead. And if you keep someone down in the 50s, like I think they can. So that's my bold prediction. Could be dead wrong. And I will say I'm dead wrong on Monday show if that's what happens. But that's that's my that's my two cents inkling on a bold prediction that Auburn's gonna gonna push it up on Tennessee pretty good. Out of time for this segment. When we come back, we'll start to wrap things up for the show for today. Maybe for the week, we'll have the nightly TV ad coming up right after this. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Thursday. Ryan LaVoy, Brand Daughtry with you here. Final couple minutes of the show today. Again, one more time, I want to run over that scenario for having a show tomorrow. If Auburn women's basketball wins, we will have a show tomorrow uh, in some capacity. There, there will be an Auburn baseball game that might cut us off a little bit early. We might be off around 5 or 5.15 tomorrow. But if Auburn women's basketball wins against Georgia right now, then we will have some sort of show. If they lose, then Auburn softball will be scheduled to come on this station at around 3 o'clock tomorrow, a doubleheader. And so under that scenario, we would not have a show. However, you might be keeping up with the weather. There's going to be a decent amount of rain in the morning, uh, a strong line of storms. If that affects start times or if the games are played at all, that could put us right back on the air. I do not know. Uh, And so, again, we start with the Auburn women's basketball result tonight, which is not going well, by the way. Auburn down 13 and a half. If that score holds, then we are are on track to not have a show tomorrow. So, again, that's the scenario. We will let you know on our socials uh, by about 2 or 2.30 tomorrow at the very latest if we will be having a show tomorrow. 
Last minute or two of the show today. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Men's college basketball tonight, 6 o'clock on ESPN. It is Michigan at Illinois. 6 o'clock on ESPN2. Number one in the country, the Houston Cougars taking on Wichita State. That is, again, ESPN2. More AAC action. 6 o'clock on ESPNU. The UCF Knights go to Temple. Take on the Owls against ESPNU at 6. More college basketball. It's all over the place. And it's all at 6 o'clock, apparently, because 6 o'clock on... (laughs) On FS1 is Rutgers at Minnesota. The suddenly developing Rutgers program got a big recruiting class coming in. Look like they're going to make this NCAA tournament. They go to Minnesota, who's been struggling. And then some NBA at 630. Mm. The Philadelphia 76ers, Dallas Mavericks on TNT. Mavericks struggling since trading for Kyrie Irving. as mm. That was maybe not the brightest thing they've ever done. Well, yeah. I, I feel like Kyrie's played well, and he and Luka have played well together. Just... The winds aren't coming. Yeah, well, and, and that gets into the defensive side of the ball, which they do not have now, and it goes into some other things other than just the pure offensive part. Offensively, awesome, right. awesome backcourt, but tough, uh, tough look defensively. Trey Young and Dejounte Murray better. Well, so I look don't at the know. numbers. Look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. <laughs> All right. Well, and the records are very similar too. So That's fair. Yeah. I I, I, I don't just know. say they're we'll, very similar. We'll see. We'll see. That I have di- to I have to stump for the Hawks. You know. <laughs> that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Brant, thank you for being on today. Thank you very much for having me. And we also thank Brooks Childers for being on for hour number one, and we always thank all those who tuned in and called in for Brooks Childers and Brant Daughtry. My name is Ryan Lavoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you next time.